Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen, Volume 1, Chapter 6. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are on to Chapter 6. In a recap, we are doing Northanger Abbey, where we have met Catherine Moreland, a naive 17-year-old girl from the middle of nowhere who is now on vacation in Bath with Mr. and Mrs. Allen. She spent the first week or so in Bath, not knowing anyone, not talking to anyone, wandering through crowds of people alone. Very sad. She gets introduced to Mr. Tilney. They dance, they talk, they flirt. It's very cute. But then he seems to disappear off the face of the earth. She's searching for him, but they don't meet him. Instead, they meet Mrs. Thorpe, who turns out to have been some sort of childhood friend of Mrs. Allen. And her three daughters, the eldest of whom is Isabella, and she and Catherine become instant best friends. Continuing on for a few more days, still are not seeing Mr. Tilney anywhere. It makes him seem very mysterious. She's kind of enjoying the fact. Hmm, that might be the wrong word, because she does want to see him. But it makes him kind of cool and mysterious that he's somehow disappeared. She can't figure out anything about him. Or why he left or anything of, a, of that sort. So he's still kind of on her mind as her crush. But she hasn't seen him again. But she is spending all sorts of time now with Isabella. And Mrs. Allen and Mrs. Thorpe are best buds having fun talking at each other. But they're not really conversing with each other. And Isabella and Catherine are besties doing everything together all around Bath. Including reading novels. And of course... Last chapter ended with the epic rant in defense of novels, um, which I hugely enjoy, where Jane Austen, as the narrator, just takes a step away to let us all know that novels are good and all the people who are against novels can just shut up. And it's a great rant that just comes at the end of the chapter in the middle of a book because she's Jane Austen and she can. And it's great. And from there, out of the epic rant in defense of novels, we go into chapter six. The following conversation, which took place between the two friends in the pump room one morning, after an acquaintance of eight or nine days, is given as a specimen of their very warm attachment, and of the delicacy, discretion, originality of thought, and literary taste which marked the reasonableness of that attachment. They met by appointment, and as Isabella had arrived nearly five minutes before her friend, her first address naturally was, "'My dearest creature, what can have made you so late? I have been waiting for you at least this age.' "'Have you indeed? I'm very sorry for it, but really I thought I was in very good time. "'It is but just one. I hope you have not been here long. "'Oh, these ten ages at least. I'm sure I've been here this half hour. "'But now let us go and sit down at the other end of the room and enjoy ourselves. "'I have a hundred things to say to you. "'In the first place, I was so afraid it would rain this morning, just as I wanted to set off. "'It looked very showery, and that would have thrown me into agonies.' Do you know, I saw the prettiest hat you can imagine, in a shop window on Milson Street just now, very like yours, only with red ribbons instead of green. I quite longed for it. But, my dearest Catherine, what have you been doing with yourself all this morning? Have you gone on with Udolpho? 
Yes, I have been reading it ever since I woke, and I am got to the black veil. Are you indeed? How delightful. Oh, I would not tell you what is behind the black veil for the world. Are you not wild to know? Oh, yes, quite. What can it be? But do not tell me. I would not be told upon any account. I know it must be a skeleton. I am sure it is Laurentina Skeleton. Oh, I am delighted with the book. I should like to spend my whole life in reading it. I assure you, if it had not been to meet you, I would not have come away from it for all the world. Dear creature, how much I am obliged to you. And when you have finished Udolpho, we will read the Italian together. And I have made out a list of ten or twelve more of the same kind for you. Have you indeed? How glad I am. What are they all? I will read you their names directly. Here they are, in my pocketbook. Castle of Waffenbach, Claremont, Mysterious Warnings, Necromancer of the Black Forest, Midnight Bell, Orphan of the Rhine, and Horrid Mysteries. Those will last us some time. Yes, pretty well. But are they all horrid? Are you sure they are all horrid? Yes, quite sure. For a particular friend of mine, a Miss Andrews, a sweet girl, one of the sweetest creatures in the world, has read every one of them. I wish you knew Miss Andrews. You would be delighted with her. She is netting herself the sweetest cloak you can conceive. I think her as beautiful as an angel, and I am so vexed with the men for not admiring her. I scold them all amazingly about it. Scold them? Do you scold them for not admiring her? Yes, that I do. There is nothing I would not do for those who are really my friends. I have no notion of loving people by halves. It is not my nature. My attachments are always excessively strong. I told Captain Hunt at one of our assemblies in this winter that if he was to tease me all night, I would not dance with him unless he would allow Miss Andrews to be as beautiful as an angel. The men think us incapable of real friendship, you know, and I am determined to show them the difference. Now, if I were to hear anybody speak slightingly of you, I should fire up in a moment. But that is not at all likely, for you are just the kind of girl to be a great favorite with the men. Oh, dear, cried Catherine, coloring, how can you say so? I know you very well. You have so much animation, which is exactly what Miss Andrews wants, for I must confess there is something amazingly insipid about her. Oh, I must tell you that just after we parted yesterday, I saw a young man looking at you so earnestly. I am sure he is in love with you. Catherine colored and disclaimed again. Isabella laughed. It is very true, upon my honor. But I see how it is. You are indifferent to everybody's admiration except for that one gentleman who shall be nameless. Nay, I cannot blame you, speaking more seriously. Your feelings are easily understood. Where the heart is really attached, I know very well how little one can be pleased with the attentions of anybody else. Everything is so insipid, so uninteresting, that does not relate to the beloved object. I can perfectly comprehend your feelings. But you should not persuade me that I think so very much about Mr. Tilney, for perhaps I may never see him again. Not see him again, my dearest creature. Do not talk of it. I am sure you would be miserable if you thought so. No, indeed, I should not. I do not pretend to say that I was not very much pleased with him, but while I have Udolpho to read, I feel as if nobody could make me miserable. Oh, the dreadful black veil, my dear Isabella! I am sure there must be Laurentina's skeleton behind it. It is so odd to me that you should never have read Udolpho before. But I suppose Mrs. Morland objects to novels. 
No, she does not. She very often reads Sir Charles Grandison herself. But new books do not fall in our way. Sir Charles Grandison? That is an amazing horrid book, is it not? I remember Miss Andrews could not get through the first volume. It is not like Udolpho at all. But yet I think it is very entertaining. Do you indeed? You surprise me. I thought it had not been readable. But, my dearest Catherine, have you settled what to wear on your head tonight? I am determined at all events to be dressed exactly like you. The men do take notice of that sometimes, you know. But it does not signify if they do, said Catherine, very innocently. Signify? Oh, heavens! I make it a rule never to mind what they say. They are often amazingly impertinent if you do not treat them with spirit and make them keep their distance. Are they? Well, I never observed that. They always behave very well to me. Oh, they give themselves such airs. They are the most conceited creatures in the world and think themselves of so much importance. By the by, though I have thought of it a hundred times, I have always forgot to ask you what is your favorite complexion in a man. Do you like them best dark or fair? I hardly know. I never much thought about it. Something between both, I think? Brown. Not fair and not very dark. Very well, Catherine. That is exactly he. I have not forgot your description of Mr. Tilney. A brown skin with dark eyes and rather dark hair. Well, my taste is different. I prefer light eyes and as to complexion. Do you know I like a sallow better than any other? You must not betray me if you should ever meet with one of your acquaintance answering that description. Betray you? What do you mean? Nay, do not distress me. I believe I have said too much. Let us drop the subject. Catherine, in some amazement, complied, and after remaining a few moments silent, was on the point of reverting to what interested her at that time rather more than anything else in the world, Laurentina Skeleton, when her friend prevented her by saying, For heaven's sake, let us move away from this end of the room. Do you know? There are two odious young men who have been staring at me this half hour. They really put me quite out of countenance. Let us go and look at the arrivals. They will hardly follow us there. Away they walked to the book, and while Isabella examined the names, it was Catherine's employment to watch the proceedings of these alarming young men. They are not coming this way, are they? I hope they are not so impertinent as to follow us. Pray let me know if they are coming. I am determined I will not look up. In a few moments, Catherine, with unaffected pleasure, assured her that she need not be longer uneasy, as the gentlemen had just left the pump-room. "'And which way are they gone?' said Elizabeth, turning hastily round. "'One was a very good-looking young man.' "'They went towards the churchyard.' "'Well, I am amazingly glad I got rid of them. "'And now, what say you to go into Edgar's building with me and looking at my new hat? "'You said you should like to see it.' Catherine readily agreed. "'Only she added, perhaps we may overtake the two young men.' Oh, never mind that. If we make haste, we shall pass by them presently, and I am dying to show you my hat. But if we only wait a few minutes, there will be no danger of our seeing them at all. I shall not pay them any such compliment, I assure you. I have no notion of treating men with such respect. That is the way to spoil them. Catherine had nothing to oppose against such reasoning, and therefore, to show the independence of Miss Thorpe and her resolution of humbling the sex, they set off immediately, as fast as they could walk in pursuit of the two young men. And that is chapter six. Essentially one conversation between Isabella and Catherine in the pump room. And it seems mostly to show, well, 
the narrator even tells you at the beginning, that this is a specimen of their warm attachment, and of the delicacy, discretion, originality of thought, and literary taste which marked the reasonableness of that attachment. Which I think is a line dripping in sarcasm, because this entire conversation just shows how, though they are proclaiming to be best friends, they don't really understand each other, and I think Mrs. Allen and Mrs. Thorpe are kind of a foil to them. Neither of those appear in this chapter, but in the last chapter, we saw them talking at each other and not really understanding what, you, what each other was saying, not having a real conversation with each other. And here, I see some of those same tendencies. I think Catherine is trying to follow the conversation, but she doesn't really understand Isabella. Not fully, anyway. Um, Isabella is very much talking over her head. And Isabella is not, tr I don't know, I would say she's not even really trying to understand Catherine. Like, she just can't understand that somebody could be as uninterested in something that is so interesting to her. Because Isabella is the boy crazy friend, right? She is looking at all the men in the room and talking about, you know, what kind of boy do you like? Do you like a fair skin or dark skin? Um, different things like that. She wants to talk about Mr. Tilney a little bit, get her to spill the beans about that. And Catherine really doesn't want to talk about all the boys. She wants to talk about her book. And Isabella kind of lets that conversation happen, but doesn't seem particularly interested, in my opinion. So it all starts, that conversation, with Isabella having been there for five minutes, but then making this big thing about how she's been waiting for an age, which just shows how dramatic she is and kind of and over the top she is, which is very opposite of Catherine, who... <sighs> Doesn't seem like she's able to tell a lie if she wanted to. And, you know, saying that you've been there for 30 minutes instead of five, that's not like this huge lie that's so bad. But it does show this dramatic tendency to exaggerate things at the very least. Which is not how Catherine is. But Isabella definitely shows this propensity throughout the conversation of being very exaggerated. I've been in agonies or things like that. Um, I have a hundred things to say to you. And she very much dominates the conversation. Most of the larger things are, that are said are said by Isabella. And the few things that Catherine gets to say that are a little bit longer are about Udolfo, um, her book. But most of the conversation is very much led by Isabella, which again shows her kind of dominance of this relationship, in my opinion. So I think this, this whole chapter is very much a study in character development of both Isabella and Catherine, kind of giving you an idea, again, of how different they are. And with some of the things that go over Catherine's head, it's, again, pointing out how innocent she is, how naive she is to not understand some of the things that Isabella says, how much they just kind of go over her head. So it's developing that character, but it's also developing them as a friendship and showing how much Isabella is in charge of this friendship. And Catherine's just kind of following along, happy to have a friend and not really knowing how to present herself, maybe? No, present herself's not the right word. How to put herself forward, maybe, is a better way to put it. She doesn't really seem to know how to 
put herself forward into a position to know, to be more important in this conversation, in this friendship. So they talk a little bit about Udolfo, and Catherine is very excited at this point, telling her about the Black Veil and how she's sure there's a skeleton behind it. Um, and Isabella's saying she won't tell her what's behind there. And then they talk about some other books that they could read, and Isabella lists off a whole list of them. And they're very excited about that. But then they turn... Then there's a, a little section about Miss Andrews, who's not somebody that we've met at this point. Um, that is a friend of Isabella's from, I assume, a friend from home, not a friend from Bath. So she's not here. Um, but she gets to saying how wonderful Miss Andrews is. And she's the sweetest girl in the world. And she's netting the sweetest cloak. And she's read all those books and told her that they're just horrid. But then the part that really, like, comes out is this weird section, or at least it seems weird to me, where she says, I think her as beautiful as an angel, and I'm so vexed with the men for not admiring her, I scold them all amazingly about it. It's just so strange that she has to point out, oh, she's, I think she's very pretty, but the men don't think she is. And I have to tell them about it. It's just very strange. And then she goes on to this thing about how her atten her attachments are always excessively strong and that the men think us incapable of real friendship and I'm determined to show them the difference. Which is a nice sentiment. But she goes on within the next paragraph to say that Miss Andrews is amazingly insipid. So... Then she is, like, saying bad things about her. Right out, right, like, the next paragraph down. So it's very contradictory and kind of hypocritical. And with Isabella's talking about her friends, you know, so she's going off and saying, you know, I am so attached to people and I, when I'm, once I'm attached, it's so strong and my friendships are so strong that I would never say anything bad about them or I would never let anyone else speak badly of them. Oh, but you know, she's not that great. It's just such, um, just feels so mean girl and talking out of both sides of your mouth kind of thing where she's going on and saying this thing about herself that she seems maybe to believe, but then she's completely contradicting herself by, you know, saying that she stands up for her and won't, wants everyone to say she's pretty, but then she's calling her insipid, which is not a nice word. So it's just an interesting point to her character that I think is trying to foreshadow and point out that she's not particularly the best, that great. I think it's supposed to be calling out to the reader. We're supposed to notice this, that there's some red flags about Isabella that she's not what she's proclaiming herself to be. That is completely going over Catherine's head. I don't think she's seeing any red flags in this at all. Um, and then she also gives Catherine a little compliment that she is the kind of girl to be a great favorite with the men. And Catherine gets all shy and blushy about it. Um... But that's when she makes the thing about Miss Andrews saying she's insipid. And then she tells Catherine that she saw a man who was in love with her yesterday. 
Again, this is the guy she's never met. Just, like, looked at her or something. Um, but it just go Again, it's showing this part of her character where she's just that kind of... The boy crazy part. The one that she really just wants to flirt with all the men. All the time. And that seems to be the biggest part of what she's interested in the conversation. You know, where she talks about how she brings up Mr. Tilney again... Wants to tease her about a crush on Mr. Tilney. Um, and Catherine tries to kind of bring it back to books and Udolfo. And then Isabella wants to talk about hats. And, you know, wants to dress like Isabella because sometimes the men think that that's interesting. And Catherine is again confused because, well, why does that matter? But, and Isabella just kind of laughs and moves on about it. But again, it's one of those things where Catherine's mind is just not in the same place as Isabella's is at all. Um, and Isabella's then again talking about how awful men are. So she, in the, when she was talking about the men not liking her friend, Miss Andrews, she mentioned them and she's talk kind of like talks down about them and says that they don't think we can be real friends to each other and, they give themselves airs and things. And that's what she's talking about here again. She's saying that men are amazingly impertinent. If you don't do not treat them with spirit and make them keep their distance. And it's a lot of, I think, how I'm reading it is it's a lot of that kind of humble brag thing. Where she is saying, again, saying things that aren't really true. She's saying that... She puts men in their places and she's not, she's trying to say she's not interested, but it's kind of, you protest too much because she says she's not interested, but she's acting interested. And she says that she wants to push them away or wants to put them in their place and says bad things about them, but it's very jokey, flirty. I don't really mean this. And again, Catherine, I don't think is getting that read on it at all. But then again, Catherine is quickly changing subject, or not Catherine, Isabella is quickly changing subjects and asking about like, what is your favorite complexion in a man? Which honestly, I'm just thinking, is that a normal thing to talk about back then? Because that just doesn't seem like a, nice, a decent question. Like, what's your favorite complexion? Like, what does that even mean? It's so weird to me <laughs> that that's the question. And also her answer. Well, I mean... Catherine just says something in between. Like, she doesn't seem to quite get it either. Like, middle is kind of her answer. Um, and Catherine takes a chance to, like, tease her by saying that that's what Mr. Tilney's skin tone is, apparently. Or complexion is. I think they're talking skin tone because they're talking dark and fair when they're talking complexion. I don't know. That part is weird to me. I, I don't... I don't feel like I've ever been in a situation where people are talking about, like, what kind of complexion you like. And then she says sallow. Or, or Isabella says that her favorite is sallow. Which is... I guess I don't... I don't associate sallow skin as being a good thing. I, I don't know. Maybe I have the wrong definition in my head. I have not looked this word up specifically. But I kind of take sallow, in my mind, to mean like kind of yellow and sickly which doesn't seem good so that's another piece that I'm wondering if I just don't understand I do know that they said that 
Catherine had sallow skin in the past, but then she like improved. So I think sallow is still like a derogatory kind of term. Like it just, it's weird to me that she's like, oh, I love men with sallow skin. You love men with bad skin that looks sickly? I mean, I guess that's a type, maybe? I don't know. It's just it's just a weird comment. I don't get that. Like, if anybody knows and has something better to tell me about that, let me know. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then she's trying to be all flirty about it. So if you should ever meet with one of your acquaintance answering that description, don't betray me. Betray you? What do you mean? Again, that's the part where Catherine is so naive. She doesn't get it. Um... I mean, having read the book before and knowing the sallow skin thing, I think we are meant to understand, or we're going to find out next chapter, who she's talking about with sallow skin, and then maybe this makes a little more sense to us as the reader. But um, and but she, I think, is trying to make a connection to, you know, Catherine's brother, who we Catherine knows that she knows her older brother because. That's when they met, they found out that their brothers are friends and that Catherine's brother stayed with Isabella's family over the Christmas vacation. And since we've known that is that Catherine has been described with sallow skin and her brother, she's supposed to look just like her brother. The, impl the implication you're supposed to take, I believe, from this is, of course, that Isabella is talking about her brother, about Catherine's brother when she says she likes sallow skin. And she's trying to be kind of flirtatious and like, don't tell your brother that I like him. And it's completely going over Catherine's head. Catherine does not get it at all when she's like, betray you? What do you mean? And But Isabella kind of won't believe her that she doesn't understand. And is like, oh, don't distress me. I've said too much. Let us drop the subject. And this is another segment where a few times now it seems to me that Isabella is trying to say something and wants Catherine to, like, ask her about it. Where it's something like, oh, I couldn't possibly talk about that. But, you know, come on, ask me about it. And then I'll tell you everything. She's, like, digging for questions. It's kind of like fishing for compliments, only Kath Isabella is fishing for questions. And Catherine keeps not answering the call, not understanding what in the world is going on. So it... When she's fishing for this, Catherine just kind of stares at her and in, in it says, in some amazement. And after remaining a few minutes silent, was going to talk about her favorite subject again. She was trying to bring it back to her book. When Isabella brings up the fact that there are two odious young men who've been staring at me for half an hour. Um, now, based on how long they've been there for this conversation, they have been sitting there talking for a while, but I don't. It seems doubtful to me that they've been there for half an hour. So I think this is, again, an exaggeration. And also, I have sincere doubts that these men are really spent, have really been just staring at Isabella for half an hour. Again, Isabella has this kind of enhanced sense of all the men are looking at me and wanting me all the time. And we do have an indication that Isabella is pretty, so probably men do look at her. But that all the men are always just looking at her seems a little um, far-fetched. So she's talking about these young men who've been staring at her. So they have to go away to the other side of the room. And then she makes Catherine watch for them while she looks at the pump room book. Which is like the list of all the people who are in Bath, I guess. Um, and makes Catherine watch them. And Catherine is actually, again, not understanding what in the world is happening. 
Because Isabella clearly wants these two young men to, like, follow them and look at her and, like, flirt with her or something. It would be completely improper for them to talk to each other because they have not been properly introduced. So they can't talk to each other. They can just kind of pass longing stares at each other. Um, but Isabella, I think, would be very happy for the men to come and either be improper and, like, talk or just look at her in some sort of longing way. Isabella would love either of those options, I'm sure. But Catherine really believes that Isabella doesn't want their attention and wants them to leave. And so she's very happy when they leave the room and, like, are wandering off down the street. And Isabella is very upset that we've lost them. Because the point of this is that we are going to try and stare at them, like, without them noticing, without doing anything over too crazy. Um, and so then, of course, they have to run out of the room and follow, follow those two young men because Isabella won't give them the importance of not wanting to see them again. You know, that is the way to spoil them. So it's very obvious to, I think, the reader, it's supposed to be very obvious that Isabella is looking at these two young men. One of them's very handsome, apparently. So she likes looking at him. And she was hoping to have them follow them across the room and get to see them up close, maybe talk to them, have some sort of, I don't know, light flirtation with them. But instead, they both, the men just leave. And Catherine believes her that she doesn't actually want to see them. But it's obvious that, the, obvious that Isabella is lying about it. She does want to see them. And so then Isabella says, oh, yes, let's go and follow them, basically, even though, well, she comes up with a different place. She says she wants to go back to their, where um, the Thorpes are staying to show Catherine her new hat. But that's not until after she learns which direction they went. So she knows that, like, going that way is going to be following those two young men, the direction that they just left. And... Catherine is the one who's saying, well, maybe we should just wait a minute and then they'll be gone and we won't have to worry about them. And Isabella makes this weird statement that she's not going to pay them any such compliments as to try to avoid them, basically. That, you know, it would be a compliment to them to not want to see them or to try to avoid them. But that's just what you did when you walked across the room. You said you were trying to get away from them. But now that they've left the room, you think it would be a compliment to them to stay in the room and not follow them somehow doesn't make a lot of sense again Catherine seems to be taking all of this completely at face value and is not picking up on any of the innuendos kind of things that Isabella is saying and Isabella is not being particularly clever about it they're pretty blatant but just the idea of saying one thing and meaning another is completely foreign to Catherine. She does not get that as a concept, it seems like. The concept that anyone would be any in any way saying one thing and meaning another is just completely out of her reference. And so this is again throwing into like glaring light her naivete and how she doesn't understand kind of this this other young woman who is much more worldly and flirty and coquettish and boy crazy Isabella is over the top wanting to flirt with all the men's and I'm not saying that's a bad thing it's just very different from Catherine and Catherine is not figuring it out and it's rather entertaining to me to watch the two of them 
interact in this way because Catherine has no clue what's going on and Isabella doesn't seem to understand that anyone could not understand what's going on. So they're just, again, completely talking over each other and not, and not coming away with the same message. And so this really, I think, shows, shows, shines a light on their personalities and their friendship to let us know that these are two very different young women who don't seem to have much in common, but do seem to be enjoying each other's company. So that's always good. But Miss Thorpe is definitely the one in charge of this relationship and in charge of this situation. And that's where we leave them. They are walking out of the pump room, setting off towards the lodgings where the Thorpes are staying, and as fast as they could walk in pursuit of the two young men. So next time we've got chapter seven. It picks up right where they, we left off as they're walking out of the pump room. And I will see you then. If, any, if you have anything to say about what I've been talking about, about Northanger Abbey, about things that I've said wrong, things you agree with me about, random Jane Austen debates you would like to get into over email, please let me know. My email is imolcorner at gmail.com. That's in my own little corner. Imolcorner at gmail.com. Bye-bye.